Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Back in here on the night shift, 610 Sports Radio, the Odyssey app, Chris Unocero, Grant Nicholson. Done a lot of Chiefs talk, a lot of NFL talk today. I'll talk um, I'll talk more about the uh, Orlando Brown situation later on. Also going to replay Ron Kopp from Arrowhead Pride. He had some really interesting things to say about Chiefs training camp, camp battles, things like that. I think there's some, I think there might be some surprises as far as players who not only make the team, but also who see significant time on the field this year. I really do think that this rookie class is going to produce a lot of playmakers for the Chiefs. So uh, we'll replay that for you again coming up at 830. But I want to get back into the Deshaun Watson conversation. If you're just tuning in. If you have not been paying attention, the NFL has decided to appeal the ruling uh, that the, the six-game suspension that was handed out by Sue L. Robinson, the former judge that was appointed as an arbitrator in the, uh, in the discipline case for Cleveland Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson. Um, originally six-game suspension. The NFL reportedly is seeking a one-year suspension in addition to a fine, uh, I assume a pretty hefty one, because, you know, a full-year suspension won't really cost him that much money this year because it's only a a, a, – his base salary is only $1 million. So he's not going to miss a ton of money. I think, think like – it's like seven point seven million in a signing bonus this year, and then the rest of the money, the one million, is just base salary, which is what he would lose if he were suspended all season. So, it's it's clearly the the, the contract is clearly made for him to not have to deal, not have to worry about uh, losing a ton of money. But a lot of people are talking about how the NFL, you know, what what the number should be and oh, why is this situation the way that it is as far as the arbitration goes? Because 
let's be honest here. It's probably not the most efficient thing for them to basically have to make the case that they make to an independent arbitrator. And then if they don't get what they like, they then just appeal. Roger Goodell would be the one that would be appealed to. And then he would be make the final decision on a punishment. But the reason why the six-game suspension shouldn't have been as surprising as it was is because the NFL has mishandled so many cases of player misconduct involving uh, things that they have done wrong in their private life to the ones that they love or to women that they have been involved with in general. We have seen numerous players be suspended for domestic violence over the years, you know, all the way back to Paul Tagliabue days. But they haven't been suspended for very much. I remember talking about this eight years ago and making the case as to why the NFL, when they suspended Ray Rice for two games initially, that that actually was a severe suspension, as Roger Goodell said at the time. Because the NFL under Paul Tagliabue never handled domestic violence well. I went and I looked at the, I mean, there's like a database with all the player suspensions. And you look at that database, you look at domestic violence. And it was usually a fine or a game. And most of those guys were guys who were like fringe roster players anyways. So usually they would get cut after they would be, suspended or charged with a domestic violence incident. So it actually was kind of an issue where the trash took itself out because these guys weren't good. But generally, the most harsh you would see would be a two-game penalty for it. Now, this is a little bit of an unprecedented case because this is involving someone who's being sued uh, who who has been sued by 25 different women for sexual assault. Now, most of those cases, have almost all of those cases have now been settled uh, out of court. But still, you have over tw- you have 25 accusations of sexual assault from all of these different massage therapists. And the NFL understands that Starting in the mid-2000s, the expectations changed for player conduct because as sports media grew, as the attention to these players' personal lives grew, so did the interest in the problems that they had off the field. And that meant that if the players did wrong, we were going to then put the response to that under a microscope. And that's what we did. And all of a sudden, you had all these players who are getting into trouble. Like, you know, we'd see it with Adam Pac-Man Jones, and there were certainly people looking at the NFL's response to that and various other situations that we have seen throughout the years where we're wondering how's the NFL going to handle this. But Ray Rice was the most pivotal moment for how the NFL was going to handle player misconduct. And when they handed down that two-game suspension, and it was different because it's different when you, like, see a headline of so-and-so is accused of domestic violence versus seeing a video where Ray Rice is dragging his unconscious fiance out of an elevator at a casino. 
that hit people differently than just seeing the headline scroll across the bottom line on, on SportsCenter. And that changed a lot of people's perspectives about player conduct, especially when three months later we actually get the video of Ray Rice hitting his, his then fiance. And that humanized the action, and it caused people to look at it in a light that was much more serious than before. And expectations for more serious punishments started to come down the pipe as re- in regards to player misconduct in that field. That means that now, if you have any sort of extreme case, you've got to handle it with severe punishment. And we've seen that. We saw it with Greg Hardy, where... He was put on the commission. They, they basically invented a list for guys like him who are accused of domestic assault or some other sort of uh, crime that is very serious. They get put on this list, basically indefinitely do not play until the situation figures itself out, the legal process plays out, whatever, you know, Whatever happens, and, and, you know, it could be, it's basically an indefinite list that they're placed in. Placed in limbo until the situation's figured out. And that basically meant that the NFL now had to be very strict about how they handle player conduct. And this is probably the most, I mean, this might be the most serious of allegations that we've seen against one of their players, aside from like a Aaron Hernandez, aside from him and, you know, the legal process played out to where he ended up convicted of murder of the players that are of a player that is currently playing in the league that has not been arrested for a crime. He, it definitely is the most serious and the NFL is going to have to be very severe with that punishment. So on Monday morning, when I saw that six-game suspension come down the pipe, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I was like, and, and I'm actually surprised that they didn't appeal it sooner. I was expecting by late that afternoon, we would get a headline, NFL's going to appeal this. Well, don't lawyers have to put it all together and they've got to write it up and all that I sort of stuff? I don't know if this is a lawyer thing, though, because this is like an in-house. It's not like you're appealing to like a separate court. Yeah, but it went to a judge. Like, you yeah, just, but, I mean, you've got to file paperwork. But she stuff. was like a former judge. She was like someone that they brought in. She's. It's not like she was like an actual judge at the time. I, I'm sure lawyers are involved. I don't know, lawyers? Uh, Dude, lawyers are definitely involved between the maybe. NFL and the Players Association. I don't know if it's like a law. I don't know if it's like an official legal proceeding, though. Fair. But I know lawyers are involved. There's paperwork. To there, file an appeal. Oh, there's, there's definitely paperwork. You got to file I, I paperwork, dude. There's definitely paperwork. There's always paperwork <laughs> in this kind of situation. But I don't know. I mean, maybe they are treating it like an official, like a like as much as you can in official legal proceeding with it out, out without it actually being one. But still, like, I'm surprised. I mean, if I was the NFL, I'd have had, I would have had it ready just in case. I'd have been like, oh, no, eight games? Nope, done. We're going to appeal. I mean, especially because the NFL PA said Sunday night, oh, we're not appealing this. So if I were the NFL and I know the other side is saying they're not going to appeal whatever the decision is, that should tell me that they think that they, they've they won here. So I would be ready with an appeal just in case. So I'm actually surprised that they waited until this afternoon to announce that they were going to appeal. But I will say this. 
What we've heard is that they're looking for a full game, a full year suspension, and a pretty hefty fine, which I agree with. They absolutely, they, they cannot mess this up. This is one of those situations where if they screw it up, it's going to look incredibly bad for them. It's going to be as bad as like as as how Roger Goodell looked when he was handing out those hefty suspensions for uh, for the hits, or when he when, when he was yeah they were handing out suspensions and hefty fines for the the hits that guys were laying out. Like was it James Harrison? And and some of those hits certainly they had to set a precedent for, but a lot of people were not happy at how he handled it. And I, I really do think that the NFL has to be as severe as they can to send a message to the rest of the players in this league. And more importantly, send a message to the public that they actually care about this stuff because they've told us that they've ca- that they care. They have tried their best to, to change the public sentiment about how they handle their player conduct. And this would be the perfect example to do that because if they don't, and if they don't push, like, pull back on, like, putting this guy out there as a star player, if they don't do that, then they're really going to look like a team, a, a league that's kind of swept this under the rug. So uh, they've painted themselves into a corner here. And I think I, along with a lot of people, hope they do the right thing. Coming up next, Chiefs left, uh, left tackle Orlando Brown Jr. finally signed his franchise tag and reported to camp this week and I tell you why I think the gamble that he tried to pull off failed okay picture this it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road any road the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. In about 10 minutes, we will replay the interview that I had with... uh, Arrowhead Pride's Ron Cop about training camp. It was very informative, and I think it's very interesting because you will. There are a lot of interesting players in training camp, and I, like I said, I'm really excited about this rookie draft class. I really am excited. I haven't been excited about a draft class like this in so many years. Maybe just from the draft class that produced Patrick Mahomes. So. 
uh, yeah, I'm 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 really about it. So we'll we'll replay that for you here in about ten. But I want to get into the uh, Orlando Brown Jr. situation here. Orlando Brown Jr. He was a holdout after refusing to sign his franchise tag and report last Monday when veterans reported, and he did not. Uh, he waited a week to sign his franchise tag uh, this past Monday. He had his first practice yesterday at camp, and even though it was in a limited role, he did look pretty good. I know he was doing – they did some one-on-one reps, and he was going against Mike Dana, and he looked, he looked pretty good. But uh, after the practice, he talked about the process of the contract negotiations and uh, how hard that was going through that process. It's always hard. You know, I, I, like I said, man, I, I pride myself on being a leader. I pride myself on being someone that wants to be here for his teammates and showing up every day, bringing the most positive energy that I can bring to the locker room and on the field, man. And uh, so it was, it was difficult to be a, be away from it uh, for so long. But, you know, the understanding was that, you know, I had to do what I had to do. And he also talked about the emotions of kind of going through that process because it, it's very tough when you want to play for a team and you and the team cannot kind of agree, cannot agree on the value that you bring to them from a financial standpoint. And he talked about that as well. I don't want to get too detailed on that, but uh, very emotional, man. Uh, you know, I, I've spoke to, you know, pretty much a lot of people here in the front office and, and Coach Reed and everyone understands, man. I'm, you know, I love, I love ball. You know, I, blo- I love blocking for Pat Mahomes. I love putting the Chiefs, you know, logo on my helmet, man. And uh, I really enjoy being here. Uh, so, you know, I know that, that time will tell and things will get taken care of with time, man. I just look forward to getting out there on the field. He was also asked about, the progress that he's made from last season and the kind of work that he can put in in order to kind of strengthen his weaknesses. Yeah, I want to progress in, in almost every way, shape, and form and fashion, man. I want to be a better run blocker, a better pass blocker, a better leader, um, you know, allowing them to count on me when they need me most. Uh, you know, that was something that I feel like I struggled with a little bit last year, uh, not putting myself in the best position as games were close or on certain third downs or in close, or in close games against uh, certain talents. So that's something that I definitely want to improve on. And then finally, he uh, was asked about where what he wants his future to be as far as staying with the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, I want to be here. I want to be. I want to finish my career here in Kansas City. And uh, you know, I'm sure you know questions out there. But uh, you know, to me, man, uh, the, with the contract situation, it just wasn't enough guarantees. And I want to be here for the rest of my career in Kansas City. And that's really important to me. Now, I, I've heard many of people, whether it be fans. Uh, who listen to our station, people here who work at the station, hosts. I've heard a lot of different opinions on the uh, the will of Orlando Brown Jr. to stay a chief. And I have been very adamant about this every time you have heard me on the air here. I believe that Orlando Brown Jr. wants to be a chief. I 100% believe that. But I also believe that Orlando Brown Jr. is one of those guys that believes that he is or will be better than he probably will be. I believe he looks at himself and he's like, I'm going to be a Hall of Fame left tackle. And I understand that. His dad was one of the greats of his era at that position. And he was very adamant about being a left tackle. He was originally a right tackle when he played for the Ravens. And then when Ronnie Stanley got hurt in 2020, he took over as the left tackle there. And he played pretty well. But he wanted to stay at left tackle. And the, and the Ravens were like, no, Ronnie Stanley's better than you as a left tackle. 
We want you to go back over to right. And that uh, disagreement led to him being on the trade block. And then the Ravens probably stupidly traded him to the Chiefs who needed a left tackle because their offensive line just disintegrated uh, at the, during the Super Bowl against the Buccaneers. This is a, a situation, I think, where sometimes what you have is it's like it's like a relationship where you and your significant other love each other and you want to make your relationship work, but you disagree on the implementation of that relationship. You disagree on where you're going. You disagree on fundamental things. And I think that's the situation that the Chiefs and the uh, and, and Orlando Brown Jr. are in. I believe Orlando Brown Jr. wants to be a Chief. I do believe, though, that the, the Chiefs don't view him as the kind of player that he views himself as. And we saw that with the offer that they gave him. They gave him, it was like six years, 139 total, I think. But it, in fact, in actuality, was like a five-year, $95 million deal. So to pay him about $19 million a year, which is a really good number, I think most of us, if someone offered us five years, $95 million, we'd take it because that's a hell of a lot of money. You wouldn't complain about it. But Orlando Brown Jr. thinks that he's worth more than that. He believes he's worth 23 to 25, according to reports. And this was his opportunity. This is his opportunity to bet on himself. And I believe that maybe he, he I mean, it could be a situation where he's gotten some bad advice. I, I can't speak to that because I don't know what he's been told by his, uh, by his agent. But I do know that he's kind of weighed using the using that position as the uh as the chief starting left tackle especially as other teams load up on pass rush he's tried to use that as a part of leverage here is him back in may on nfl total access trying to exercise that leverage on national television very confident very confident man especially simply based off the things that have come into effect within our division man the type of defensive ends that have been brought in the type of players and all of that type of stuff man I, it's not the year to go into a season with a backup left tackle so you know i'm very confident that the kansas city chiefs will get that done that is a implied threat that i will not play this year if i don't get a new deal that's what it is it was a very passive threat he didn't say it directly it was kind of like mob talk you know like, yeah, it'd be something bad if something happened to your restaurant here. You know, it was it was basically kind of like that. He was basically saying, if you don't play me, uh, if you don't pay me, I won't play. And then he reiterated that he there, there was there was talk from Mike Garofolo from NFL Network that basically said that uh, he probably won't show up for training camp and he might not even show up for the beginning of the regular season. Where'd you think he got that from? He probably got that from Orlando Brown Jr.'s agent. OBJ was trying to get the most leverage that he could over the Chiefs. And I respect that because I respect someone who believes in themselves. But the Chiefs, I don't think, ever bid on that. What? They, and the Chiefs also had a ton of leverage, too. Yeah. Because they knew they could offer. They had him on the franchise tag. They can't negotiate till after the season. What's he going to do? Not play? Yeah, and not get paid. And then he's got one less year of film to say, hey, I'm the star left tackle. And then they also could 
franchise him again next year. And Correct, if he yeah. did the same thing again, he'd be wasting two years of his prime and he wouldn't be able to play another down in the NFL until he's 28 years old. You think a team's going to give 23 to $25 million a year over five years to no. a 28 year old left tackle no. who's only had one year? Uh, he had to play. Yeah, he had to play. He has to play. Yeah. And so, like, that to me was the uh, situation. And I, and I, like I said, I respect him for believing in himself. 100%. Yeah, I'd do the exact same thing, wouldn't you? Yeah, I yeah, mean, for sure. I, I, like I said, I got the utmost respect for him believing in himself. And I believe me, I, I understand that this is business. You got to get as much leverage as possible. But he didn't have very much leverage here because the Chiefs, they have all the incentive to franchise him if he doesn't sign a long-term deal because they moved a first-round pick to get his ass. And if you move a first-round pick and you don't re-sign that player, people are going to get on your ass about that move. Like, seriously, all of us were sitting here ready to just slaughter Veach. If we're ready, we're waiting on him to to fail to keep this guy and basically waste a first round pick on on him if they're not able to sign him long term. So, like I said, I I think the Chiefs are going to do whatever they can to keep him, but they're not going to go too far. They're not going to pay him too much if he hasn't proven that he's worth that kind of money. So, uh, I, I hope he gets his money. I hope he proves that he's worth that. And I do like the fact that he admitted that he's got a lot of things to work on. But to me, by admitting that, you're telling us you're not worth the kind of money that you want. Coming up next, we replay that interview from earlier with Ron Cobb, uh, Ron Cobb Jr. from Arrowhead Pride talking about Chiefs training camp. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Back in here on the Night Shift 610 Sports Radio. The Odyssey ad, Chris and Ocero, Grant Nicholson. Earlier on in the show... I talked to the lead analyst from Arrowhead Pride, Ron Cobb Jr. And we had we went really in-depth on training camp thus far as we're weekend and talked about all the camp battles going on and how some of these young guys are looking. Here it is. I wanted to bring on my guy from Arrowhead Pride, lead analyst Ron Cobb. How's it going, Ron? Chris, it is going good. Hope you're having a good night, too. Um, you are 100% right on the just all the questions, right, this year. It just feels different. You know, in years past, it's still exciting, but you kind of know what you have in a lot of the aspects of the team. And this year, 
that is not the case, man. There's so many different moving parts happening every day, man. It, it is exciting. So I, I think that it, at least this is just this is just me. I sort of I know a lot of people have have kind of questioned, you know, have other interests. But the most interesting thing to me about camp this year is outside of Juju Smith Schuster, who are the most reliable receivers that this team can put out there and expect big plays from. Who do you think has probably been the biggest standout aside from Juju, who's probably been the best receiver in camp? Well, yeah, no, and I think you're right about Juju there. And and I will say, you know, coming into camp, one of the things I expected almost, you know, I, I felt pretty strong about was, look, McCall Hardman is the, the only receiver returning um, from, you know, from this, this team last year, obviously. You know, he, he's the only receiver that has experience in Andy Reid's offense, the only receiver that has any sort of rapport with Mahomes before this offseason. I really thought that would that would that would be a, a huge part in, in him becoming maybe you know one of the key targets in this offense too. And yes, it is training camp. We haven't seen you know we've only seen it for about a week now. They just got the pads on. But um, from my observations, being up there a day, um, also from everyone else saying it, just really sounds like his role still seems to be limited to a, a to kind of what we we've, we've seen from it in his career. And that just makes me think there's other guys stepping up besides him. So my expectations have shifted. And I really think uh, MVS has, has looked really good with his, his, his hand catching. It does seem like, you know, he, he him and Mahomes have built a, a chemistry over the middle, you know, and, and, and they seem to be doing well. But, man, the, the hype on Sky Moore is real, man. I'm telling you. Um, it, it does seem to be that he is, is making plays. You know, he's made two, you know, two or three really nice catches. You know, I've seen it myself. Um, you know, making catches through contact, making catches, you know, extending far out. You know, that, that, that's one thing, uh, you know, I, I, I don't mean to criticize Hardman too much when talking about Sky Moore, but, you know, uh, McColl on these on some of these deep passes I've seen, you know, it's just a little outstretched for him, right? The ball, and I've seen it in practice, the ball hits him in his hands, he's just a little too outstretched, it goes to the ground, right? You know, Sky Moore's laying out for those, and I just think that we haven't seen maybe that, that laying out kind of thing um, with McColl as much. And, and so, I don't know, man, it just makes me think, you know, some one of these receivers is going to have to kind of step down in the the, uh, the kind of the pecking order. And I really thought McColl would be the one that maybe has the biggest chance to step up, but I think everyone else maybe has the has been looking like the more um, you know the the better uh, candidate to be a reliable weapon for Mahomes this year. Now, I I said this about Sky Moore on Sunday when I was on with Bink, and I think like the difference between him and McColl is the fundamentals. I think he's a better route runner, better hands, but like from a physical athletic standpoint, I think McColl is more athletic than him. Do you mm-hmm. think that at some point we could see Sky more jump him in the uh, in the depth chart just because he is more fundamentally sound? And let's say that he's playing so well that he's even playing better than like an MVS. Do you think at some point he could jump him and become that number two receiver on the opposite side of uh, Juju? See, that's the beauty of how they built this receiving core, because why not, right? Uh, you look at who they've invested and you look at the money, um, money talks, right? That's who you should follow in terms of who they're going to maybe, you know, respect the most or, or lean on the most. But no one really has that much money tied up into them. This is kind of a, a free-for-all in terms of, look, Juju's on a one-year deal. You know, obviously, uh, McColl's on his last year of his deal. And the MBS deal, it is a three-year deal. But you can get out of it pretty quick. So all that to say – there, there's no reason the receiver room can, can – there's no reason it can't transition back and forth between one guy being the top guy, you know, and, and, and then maybe another guy, you know, stepping up. So just because there's not really that true wide receiver one they had with Tyreek that really demands those wide receiver one, you know, snaps, 
Um, no one's invested in like that either. So all that to say, yeah, I don't see why, why Sky Moore can't. If he's that talented, he's looked very talented to me. You know, obviously there's going to be an adjustment, right? You know, there, there, there's we're, we're looking at training camp, right? And, and you know, it, 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 it's exciting. But at the same time, man, once he gets it down, I really do think he, he, he may be a more pure receiver than McColl, you know, almost, you know, pretty much right away. Um, I hate to say it. But McColl's role is still important, man. But in terms of just being a receiver, in terms of being – you know, uh, uh, you know, over the middle, you know, breaking a guy off on a route, creating separation and, and being reliable hands, right? That's the most important part. He's got those big hands. Yeah, I think Moore definitely has a chance to be, you know, a relied upon weapon for Mahomes. I think you're already seeing it in camp. One of the other things, I, I talked about this last segment, um, Ronald Jones, I don't think has really set himself apart from the rest of the guys in that in, in on that running back depth chart. And a guy like Isaiah Pacheco, seventh round pick, certainly just kind of came out of nowhere. The big thing about him was his 40 time. He's been getting a lot of touches with the ones now, certainly not as much as like, uh, as like Clyde or like McKinnon, but he's up there with the rest of the other guys. Do you think a guy like Pacheco could overtake Ronald Jones? And unless they, they keep four running backs, we're talking about Ronald Jones being cut at the end of camp in place of a guy like Pacheco. Yeah, it's it's a similar thing as a receiving group, right? It, it is because there's not a lot of investment in any of the running backs either besides Clyde. And, yeah, I, I absolutely could see, you know, we saw with Carlos Hyde a few years ago, right, the veteran back that comes in. We kind of think, oh, yeah, we could see how this could work, right? We could see how his skills would be used well in this offense. And by the time you get to the end of training camp, you realize, you know, that those skills can be re- replicated pretty quickly by an undrafted free agent or just, you know, and obviously in this case it's a seventh-round pick. And in Pacheco that, you know, obviously has turned heads uh, in the coaching staff because, yeah, you're right. He is getting – and when, in my eyes, from, I was up there just one day on Saturday, man. He was the second back. And, and I know McKinnon seems to probably be getting the second reps um, from what I'm seeing, you know, Pete Sweeney reporting and everything. Um, but at the same time, it's like Pacheco is pretty much a lock for this roster. And I absolutely do think there's a chance that that comes at a sacrifice for Jones. You know, they pick up Jones before the draft. You know, didn't, they didn't know what they had in Pacheco yet, uh, obviously. And, you know, that's one thing where, you know, w- with Sky Moore talking about the hype with him, you know, w- you, can, you can look good as a receiver and it can translate without pads, right? I do think you, you, you can justify that hype a little more. With the running backs, you know, they are just not getting the pads. I do want to see Pacheco maybe in a preseason game, really see him, you know, like, you know, how he does bouncing off this. Because what, what I'm hearing from, like, a guy like Pete Sweeney is that he's reminding a lot of the media members of Kareem Hunt. And if that's the case, I mean, then, then, then we're really into something here. Um, and and I, I will say, Chris, I, uh, I comped him to Niall Davis right after the draft. So uh, <laughs> I already kind of said it on Twitter today. I'm starting to kind of feel like that maybe, you know, uh, may have been a bad, bad call. Um, but, hey, you know, I still want to see him. Again, I still want him to prove it, uh, you know, against another team, maybe, you know, in, in live reps, man. But the hype is definitely building up for him. You're right. Talking to Ron Cobb, lead analyst from Arrowhead Pride. Another big part on the defensive side is this Chiefs pass rush. It's going to be the biggest story of the defense this year. Obviously, they use their their second first-round pick on George Karloftis. They bring in Carlos Dunlap last week, and there's a lot of excitement about what this pass rush could be. I know that they've run a lot of different fronts, like had Dana move into the interior and just basically run, like, you know, three defensive ends and Chris Jones. How much improvement if any do you see this pass rush having after really the last few years kind of been pretty disappointing yeah it's it's, it's pretty simple math i would say it, it kind of has to improve 
um, just naturally based on the pure numbers they have at the position now. Compar- you know, directly comparing it to last year, you think about Chris Jones, Frank Clark, still in those same positions. That third guy, Melvin Ingram. Well, now you can rep- replace him with George Karloftis, let's say, in this scenario, which we don't know for sure if that's, you know, who's better in that scenario, right? We, we don't want to assume a rookie uh, is, is going to be better than what Melvin Ingram brought last year, who was very impactful. But then you add in Carlos Dunlap to that, that trio, right? You give him that fourth player. Who was the fourth edge rusher last year on, uh, in, in the Chiefs? You know, was it Mike Dana? Was it Alex Okafor? Either way, you're getting an upgrade um, with, with Carlos Dunlap, who honestly, you know, I say he's the fourth guy. He could end up being the best edge rusher, at least, um, you know, on the team. Not the best pass rusher. Obviously, Jones has that um, title. But Dunlap's impact, I really think, is going to improve the ceiling of this rush and, and definitely give them a better chance to, to get those sack numbers up. Again, I know it's been said, you know, multiple times, but – their pressure rate was one of the best in the league last year. It was the sack rate that was low. You know, sometimes that's just a, in, in terms of, you know, statistical regression, you'll see that just go back to the mean, right? Um, but I do think Dunlap will help that even get past the point where hopefully they can get in the top half of the league in sacks, right? I think they have the talent to do it. Um, and, and again, you, you mentioned uh, Dana rushing from the interior. You know, if Dana's your third or fourth guy, you know, that's one thing. If he's your pass rusher i think he's a pretty solid player to to be the fifth guy who can kind of be versatile along that alignment so yeah i, I do expect the sack, the sack total to be better this year the pass rush overall to be more impactful and if they do decide if they are able to generate as much of a pass rush one of the things that we've heard so much criticism for especially for for spagnola is how he doesn't really kind of handle blitzing very well sometimes he does it too much sometimes he doesn't do it enough do you think this year, especially because they do have this blitzing machine and and Leo Chanel, do you think they're going to be able to get that balance back to where it should be, or do you think that there it's it's going to be issues where Spags is kind of mismanaging how he goes after the quarterback? Yeah, you're 100 percent right with Spags, man, and that's the thing. It's not even just you know him being blitz heavy. It's how you know, kind of unpredictable he is with them. Um, I, it's a DVOA or it's a football outsider stat, I should say, but he's one of the, the, the Chiefs defense is one of the highest variance of results uh, per week uh, in the league in terms of, you know, one week they may look great, one week they don't. And I think a lot of that does have to do with just, you know, sometimes the blitzes work, sometimes they get beat, right? Um, you know, when you're that blitz heavy. And, and I do think this year there is a chance maybe they, they can kind of rely on that pass rush a little more, but it's in his blood, man. And you're right. You see Chanel out there. Even guys like Willie Gay and Nick Bolton are, are both excellent, you know, shooting the gap, you know, finding a, a player and making the tackle. You know, he, he has a lot of good options that he blitzing. And then you mentioned, or you also, you know, factor in like a luxurious need off the edge, even Justin Reed coming down, you know, Brian Cook, obviously the rookie third safety. He seems to have earned that role so far as the dime safety, which we saw Daniel Sorensen play a lot last year. And what did Sorensen do a lot? Blitz. So I, I do think Cook has a chance to be kind of a weapon in the blitz game as well. So he has he has so many pieces. He's he, he's going to definitely you know be same old Spags and, and definitely use it to his advantage. Um, but when you're talking about a division, you know, with all these quarterbacks in it now, it, it is something where you may you may think about, especially in those division games, you know, kind of you know maybe hanging and, and kind of letting the pass rush do in terms of up front because you know good quarterbacks the more you blitz them the more you the more you'll beat you that's why no one ever blitzes Patrick Mahomes right last question here for uh Ron Cobb from Arrowhead Pride I want to talk about Joshua Williams and as much as I think everyone is very excited about a guy like Trent McDuffie I remember dr- third day of the draft me and Bink were on doing the draft show 
And when they drafted Josh Williams in the fourth round, we were excited because we saw his height. We saw the length. And we were like, that guy might actually have a better chance to be an outside corner. And he has shown some of that in camp, though you can definitely see that he's young and he's going to have some growing to do. Do What do you think his future is as a potential outside corner in this defense? You know, I mean, for him to be, you know, in the spot he is right now, I do think it, it tells you something about the trust he's earned from, from Spagnuolo in terms of the mental process of the, of the game. I mean, he's playing over veterans like Lonnie Johnson, DeAndre Baker right away. So that's one thing impressive, right? But the thing with him is that build that you talk about, man, that gives you such an advantage right away. You know, a guy like Trent McDuffie, I honestly think could struggle right away just because of his size, right? He's such a he's a more fluid corner, right? you know, obviously a, probably just a better overall playmaker. You know, obviously his college resume says so, but you know, not not being able to just have that physical size while you're kind of catching up to the NFL receivers, you know, the talent of them as a rookie. You know, that's where you see, like, a good corner struggle earlier in the career. Joshua Williams has that build that I think does give you an advantage to kind of maybe be more impactful right away. So, all that to say, I, I do, don't be too surprised if Joshua Williams kind of, you know, maybe is even more impactful right away than a guy like Trent McDuffie just because of that, that size that kind of just gives him an advantage already. He can already kind of physically hang with receivers. Now he's just got to, you know, work on maybe mentally hanging with them or just the technique of it all, right? But, yeah, I, I really do think there's a high ceiling for him. I mean, if he's already starting at this point, you know, coming from a D2 college, um, I, I do think that's very impressive. You know, we do have a long way to go, though. You know, Rashad Fenton's still on PUP. I, you know, the real sign is if he if Rashad Fenton, you know, returns to the lineup and Williams is still playing over him as that third corner because that really tells you that it's impressive, man. For a Spags to be trusting a rookie corner from a D2 school to be playing for him over a guy like Rashad Fenton, that's when you really know, uh, okay, we got something special to do potentially. That was my interview uh, from earlier in the show with uh, lead analyst from Arrowhead Pride, Ron Cobb Jr. Make sure you go give him a follow at Ron underscore Cobb, K-O-P-P. Uh, he has a ton of great insight. You also also need to make sure you read his articles on Arrowhead Pride. A uh, lot of great stuff there from him and the other guys over there. Our guy Pete Sweeney, Ron, BK, Serta, all doing great work over there. Um, final few minutes here in the show before we get out of here on the night shift. Um, I want to talk about something that the Chiefs did. They just absolutely did not have to do last week. When they went and uh, took some of the money that uh, that Travis Kelsey had sitting in his final year of his contract, and they moved $3 million over to what he, to his, this year's salary this year. So now he's going to be making $10.5 million in his base salary. And uh, here's Travis Kelsey talking about that kind gesture the Chiefs made of basically restructuring his contract to give him more money right now than what he would make this season. I think, uh, you know, it's just another reason why I love being here, man. I've done everything I can to, to do things the right way, both on the field and in the community, and I'm going to continue to do that. They know that, and uh, they know what type of player they're going to get, what type of leader they're going to get in this building uh, and also in the community. And I think that, um, you know, I don't know, I'm just uh, extremely appreciative of it that they would even uh, think about it or, or uh, try and put something together. And I just, um, you know, just another reason why I go out here and play my tail off for this city and this organization. Mind you, George Kittle, tight end for the San Francisco 49ers, came out and said that Travis Kelsey was underpaid. 
And he came out and said, hey, I don't I'm not doing this for money. I'm cool with what I'm being paid. I am just focused on trying to win. And for the Chiefs to go out there and make the kind of gesture that they did certainly has won over the loyalty of Travis Kelsey. I don't plan on playing anywhere else, brother. Hope the uh, hope the Chiefs have that in mind, too. I, I think they do have that in mind with them making this kind of gesture. But I think it's also a good sign for a guy like Orlando Brown Jr. Because one of the things that we have seen is the Chiefs have shown that they take care of their own. They did not have to restructure the contract of Frank Clark. They could have told them, yeah, get out of town. We don't need you. We'll save as much money as possible. And we'll try to uh, find an edge rusher that we think will go out here and, and get the job done. And they didn't do that. They decided we're going to restructure your contract. We're going to pay you just a little bit more than what you would have, than what it would have cost us to let you walk away. And they had a sit down with him. They talked with him and they said, hey, man, we expect better out of you. And you know what? That man came in here like probably literally the best shape of his of his adult life. And he looks like he looks really good in camp. And uh, you also have Chris Jones, who may be on a contract year considering the where his contract status is right now. But he is coming in and, and he's certainly looking good. And he's right now like the second highest paid defensive player on this team. And they are like, hey, no, we're going we're gonna to keep you on this team. He said he wants to be on this team for the rest of his career. I, I really do think that they're going to do everything they can to keep him on this roster. So I, I really do feel like the Chiefs are, are doing their best part to, uh, to make sure that their star players are happy. They could have restructured Patrick Mahomes' contract in order to keep him uh, in order to save as much money as possible and maybe go out and spend money on another edge rusher or use some of that money to keep Tyree kill. But instead they were like, we're going to make sure that we keep our quarterback happy. We're not going to restructure his deal. We're going to make sure he gets paid over $30 million this year because he deserves it. This chiefs team is going to, I, I believe with Andy and with Veach going to do whatever they can to make sure that they keep their star players happy. And I really do hope that they do their best to make sure that they continue to show that they care about all the guys here because you know what? That's the best way they're going to be be able to recruit and stay relevant and stay on top. Keep your star players happy. Teams will always, any team that does that, will always be able to recruit players to their squad. Special thanks to Grant Nicholson for for doing all the hard work tonight keeping this show under control special thanks to you the listener for taking time out of your your wednesday evening to listen to me and grant my name is christian ocero and this was the night shift here on 610 sports radio in the odyssey app the night shift night shift you could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new hyundai santa fe visit hyundaiusa.com for more details hyundai There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.